right, we are recording. Be on your best behavior. <laughs> God is watching. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Autopod Decepticast. This is your minute-by-minute breakdown of the 1986 Transformers movie. This is your episode 5, where we'll be covering minutes 4.01 to the 5-minute mark. How about that? I'm here. My name is Aaron. Uh, I'm with my co-hosts. I'm Ryan. Hi. I'm Caleb. And uh, <laughs> what? Well, you just sounded like a bouncy, cheerful little boy. Hi, I'm, I'm Caleb. Caleb. And I, this is. Okay. <laughs> um, an excellent intro indeed. Certainly, uh, if our listeners have stuck with us, now they're definitely here for the long haul. Yeah, hopefully they have some sympathy for me at this point. Uh, you are. I feel like sometimes we do gang up on you and treat you kind of like a punching bag, but. But, no, whatever. But uh, it's not going to stop. <laughs> <laughs> Every Everybody needs a foil. All right, well, let's foil it up. Let's... Okay, all right. So <laughs> here in this minute, well, in our last minute, you'll recall, we basically covered the opening credit sequence. And that ended up surprisingly probably being our longest yeah, podcast. Yeah, it was fun. Um, I, there's some credits, luckily, in this, so maybe that'll help uh, make this one a little bit longer <laughs> as well. I do have notes on every single person uh, noted in this opening sequence, but the meat of what happens here that we're going to cover is uh, we're going to see Laserbeak flying to a staging ground on Autobots' moons, kind of spying on the Autobots a, a little a bit. A secret staging ground? Some might secret say. Staging Not ground. so secret. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. That's a good point. Uh, and and uh, an order given, uh, a, a climactic order given that sets in stage uh, some some uh, horrifying events. But uh, so yeah, to kick it off uh, from the beginning of this episode here, we hear the, the famous voiceover that uh, Ryan, do your best impression. <clears throat> if anybody can do this, you can. <clears throat> it is the year two thousand five. The treacherous Decepticons had conquered the Autobots' homeworld of Cybertron. But from secret staging grounds on two of Cybertron's moons, the valiant Autobots planned to retake their homeland. Was that, was, was uh, that word for word? Uh, it's pretty close. I think I may have screwed up two or three words, but good. it's pretty close. So that guy has an awesome voice, and I'm glad he got to play a part <laughs> in this. Is that his only thing in the whole movie? Uh, I think it is. I don't think there's any interject. The Autobots are now on the planet yeah. of junk. <laughs> Optimus Prime died. It was a sad day. That would have made the movie That's his only voiceover. so much better. <laughs> is that his only voiceover in the whole movie? In the whole movie, yeah. But the fa- fans and kids will recognize him as the voiceover guy from the series. He did, uh, I actually looked, first of all, I'll say his name, Victor Caroli is his name. He did lots of kind of voiceover-y type work, um, similarly, and some villain some villain work for My Little Pony, but uh, we know him best as the guy who kind of introed uh, the Transformers series and also did the commercial bumpers. Mm. 
Those terrifying commercials where yeah. children's eyes glow and they have a robot. No, voice. no, 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 no. The uh, the bumpers at, in between the commercial segments of oh. the episode. You had the now return to, to the Transformers. Transformers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but uh, no, that guy's voice is both horrifying and calming. Like it's weird. It has this twinge of uh, of uh, menace to it, but it also feels comforting. <laughs> yeah, like a serial killer. <laughs> right. Great job. Do you so, think- oh, I'm sorry. No, I'm good. <laughs> That do you think he was friends with Don LaFontaine at all? <laughs> Who was that? That's the guy that in a world. Oh, oh interesting. I'm sure they all know each other. Yeah. Seems like a lot of voice actors know each other. Well, this gentleman has 22 credits. I had his IMDb open here. 22 credits with Transformers including the movie. And what I'm thinking is like he's on all the commercial bumpers. Uh, but I guess you don't get credit for that because he probably just recorded it, once. it all once. But um, I'm thinking that basically it, all of these are multi-parters, so it's probably he did his narration to kind of catch you up uh, to what happened in the previous episode and then introduce you to the next part. So uh, great job, Victor Caroli. <laughs> Big ups to Victor Caroli, who I presume is still alive. I believe he is. There was a rumor floating around he was passed away, but oh, it is no. not as such. <laughs> who started a rumor about, <laughs> about random... a voice actor? <laughs> I, yeah, I, I will have to look into that. So, um, did you guys take any notes at all or anything on the names? Because oh. I can just go through those real quickly if... Uh, Go for it. If I, anybody... I, it. Sounds like you're wanting to burn through those. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, if you, I didn't know. I didn't want to. If you guys had anything on anybody, I uh, I really glossed over, over those Not... once the animation or once the movie started. Actually, okay, gotcha. Well, then a couple quick things. First cat, first credit casting by Ruben Cannon and Associates. Uh, Carol Dudley is the uh, partner that apparently handled that. So I won't go. With, there's a little history about Ruben Cannon and Associates. As a, as a corporate entity, but I will just say that uh, Ruben Cannon and Carol Dudley are responsible for casting for such television programs as Greatest American Hero, Hardcastle and McCormick, mm. Amen, with mm-hmm. uh, you know my personal favorite. Uh, uh, oh, I thought you were saying Amen to like Hardcastle <laughs> and McCormick. Hardcastle <laughs> no. and McCormick, Amen to that. These were all shows from our childhood, yeah, so we I, should know all I of these shows. I loved Hardcastle and McCormick. And I <laughs> did you really? No, I did. No, I, <laughs> yeah, no. The, the, you know the premise of Hardcastle and McCormick? Uh, refresh my memory. Uh, guy's a uh, thief, mm-hmm. and uh, the judge in his uh, trial, uh, like, is the guy's sentence is to the judge like takes him in, mm-hmm. and and they go on uh, like solving. Uh, uh, um, crimes and mysteries and stuff. You he could drives just... a ridiculous like, f- like eighties red Ferrari. So like, uh, there's the judge and uh, which is I think Hardcastle, <laughs> and then the past the the former criminal McCormick. You could just do anything in the eighties. Like Ruben's like Carol. Here's what we're going to do. They're going to have a criminal, and he's owned by a judge, and he's yeah, supposed to be his slave. Yeah. Carol's like done. I just imagine her as a cigarette-y, like huge hair. Yeah. Um, Greatest American Hero. You love that show. I never saw it. Yeah, I mean, I remember it being on. It's definitely high in the running for one of the best theme songs ever. Uh, And the show is ridiculous. I mean, it's basically a guy who. Uh, finds a superhero suit sent from aliens, uh, but there's no instruction manual, and so he doesn't know how to use it, so he can't really fly well. He doesn't know how to use all of the powers, and he's paired with a CIA agent, I think. Um, and uh, they did... I can't remember 
uh, William Cat is the main character. I can't. I'm blanking on the CIA agent's name, but they uh, in real life did not like each other oh. at all. How sad. Uh, Amen is the only one of these shows that I actually watched regularly because my grandmother and great aunt loved that I don't show. I know what that is. Sherman Helmsley as uh, cranky. You could just say that anything about anything with Sherman Helmsley. Sherman Helmsley is a cranky blank, fill in the blank, but he is a pastor in this particular television show. Best known for the Jeffersons. Best known for the Jeffersons, of course. And also, they cast the Boondocks randomly, oh. a show on Adult Swim that I like, based on a great comic strip, uh, well-animated, well-written movies, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, other, other shows, Moonlighting, Perry Mason. So, uh, let's see, the next credit is Vince DiCola, which we covered ad nauseum in the previous episode. Mm -hmm. Other films he was responsible for, Staying Alive, Rocky IV, which yep. you uh, pointed out uh, in a previous episode. Glee, uh, also the Transformers Devastation video game. Story consultant, Flint Dilly, which we talked a little bit about him. Uh, he was a writer, mostly, I believe, on uh, the show after the movie, post-movie, but he is essentially... Uh, unless I'm mistaken, and some may, Ron Friedman may take umbrage with this, but uh, he's coming after us. <laughs> I actually would love he Ron Friedman to come on the show. I would love for him to come <laughs> after us. I, I guarantee you, he has a Google alert for his own name. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's mention. We'll mention him in the show notes. We'll mm -hmm. see what happens. I would love for either oh. or both to come on, both at the same time. I don't think it would be a and fireworks we'll make, we'll situation. We'll have them fight each other for dollars. Right. <laughs> Uh, but so Flint Dilly, in addition to his writing on Transformers, this movie, as well as the television show, did G.I. Joe, Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. Oh, I love Mr. that movie. Mr. T, Garbage Pail Kids. Uh, I think it might have been Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, the cartoon series. Oh. Do you recall that? I do yeah. now. I had not previously. The <laughs> Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, the movie, one of George Clooney's very early roles. Oh, interesting. It was on USA Up All Night all the time. Pre or post Facts of Life? Ah, uh, I believe it was. I, I'm just speculating. I have no idea which one it was, but it's really early. It's right around the same time. So Ron Friedman is the next. Uh, he gets the writing credit. Flint Dilly is a story consultant credit. Ron Friedman seems to be some kind of legend. Get Smart, Gilligan's Island, Andy Griffith, I Dream of Jeannie, Partridge Family, Odd Couple, Starsky and Hutch, Fantasy Island, G.I. Joe. G.I. Joe feels like the asterisk in this. Man, he, and Transformers. he crushed in the 80s. <laughs> he was He was awesome. Uh, executive producers. I'm going to screw this up. Margaret Loesch and Lee Gunther. They were responsible for a lot of cartoons. G.I. Joe, Super Friends, Glow Friends. Do you guys remember the Glow Friends? Were those like the, the Glow, glow worms? worms? Yeah, I'm sure that's part of the, My sister the umbrella knows. of Glow programming. God, that's just... How boring could that show... <laughs> that must have been. Kid, I Glow! Is it just kids sleeping with... It? Yeah, it's <laughs> it's like a, it's like a, a, a pedophile's dream. Mm. Uh, mm. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Supervising producer Jay Bacall, creative consulting, production roles. So he was another uh, person that part of the Transformers, G.I. Joe, My Little Pony, Gem, t The Tick. Uh, also credited on the return of Optimus Prime, the rebirth episodes of the television show. So that is uh, the end of the credit sequence. So now, uh, just as far as what we see on screen, we see Laserbeak flying from Cybertron to the moons for a little spy action. So Cybertron at this point was under control of the Decepticons. Right. We don't know why or how, I might add. We don't know what happened there. Can we? Were they, was Cybertron under control of the Decepticons in the in the series in G one? Uh, it, I guess basically, of? yeah. I mean, 
seems that way. Uh, maybe, yeah. I mean, it seems like nobody was really in control. It, like, it felt like it was Cybertron a dead was, planet. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. it felt very empty. It was like Detroit. Right, exactly. <laughs> Cybertron was like Detroit, but but uh, I think there was Autobots that had parts and Decepticons that had parts, but I don't know. But it seems like Decepticons have fully taken control of the planet, according to the voiceover. I do like in this movie how the Autobots are definitely the underdogs. And for most of the movie, I mean, they get slaughtered <laughs> very soon, but like, yeah, they're really down on their luck. I would love if some official canonical fiction would come about that told the story in between. Because essentially the story stops in 1985 on Earth and then jumps to the year 2005. Like, that'd be a great, like, fill in the, That's true. Fill in the holes. But, and that, uh, that does, I'm surprised that doesn't exist. I think there are petitions for it to exist, but... Uh, but it has seven signatures. Unfulfilled? No, I'm sure there's more than that. But, uh, so, Laserbeak. He's, go ahead, sorry. Yeah. No, I was just going to say about Laserbeak, uh, and this comes up later with Springer, but I love in the Transformers, they are not shy about, like, well, he needs a video camera. Ah, make it pop out of the top of his fucking head. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. like, he could use his... Eyes. <laughs> right, but no. It's just a fucking camera. Yeah, yeah, they need it. Yeah, and they could have done a, a shot where, you know, just it's red or something, like a red filter yep. indicating it's his vision and I'm record and a little record button symbol <laughs> at the right. I also think he could have just like held up like his little robot arms holding a camera. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Like his, like, feet, a like his birdie robot feet, yeah, like, what is, and it's, he's cranking it. Well, not even that. Just <laughs> oh like, like, like a 1920s one, camera. Like you see one towel and like come up, and he's like holding a handheld, like you know. No, I want it to be camera. one of those like uh, shoulder, like old eighties VHS uh, like news guys. Yeah, kitchen sports he, he action. Flies back, he flies back to Cybertron. They're like, uh, we can't use this. <laughs> they like, they all have just like Betamax. <laughs> It's not compatible with my so, system. Yeah. So Soundwave transforms into the playing device. Into a VCR. And <laughs> Laserbeak transforms into a tape that just doesn't fit in the slot. <laughs> <laughs> Damn you. That was my Megatron. Let's move past that. Um, so uh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I, and watching this again, like I'm watching this for the first time really in-depth, paying complete attention to it, I never noticed the Dinobots are the foremen in this munitions factory. <laughs> Yeah, for guys that are known for being stupid. And fuck-ups. <laughs> uh, they put them in charge of what seems <laughs> to be a pretty, I'm trying to fast forward to it, a pretty important a uh, uh, role here. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm guessing, I have no idea. I mean, obviously they're on Cybertron, because later they're, in the movie they come from Cybertron to help they come save with the day. Optimus, they're yeah. probably Union. <laughs> <laughs> And but so and I guess can Transformers just be programmed with whatever knowledge you need them to have? Like put the Dinobots on production duty, and they just, a, they but just he gave them simple them. brains. One would, one would think yes, but probably not in this universe. <laughs> so okay, so we see them. I guess they're manufacturing um, arms. Is yeah, what they're doing. In one of the early drafts, it says that they're they're actually uh, they're like like tents, camouflage tents over just piles of weapons and guns. Right. It's hard to tell looking at the... It's hard to tell. Well, I guess those look like warheads of some sort, perhaps, going down the production line there. Yeah, and it mentions also that there are five Cybertronian moons total. There's five? Wow. Which seems like a lot. Well, so that is true. They do. The voiceover says two of Cybertron's moons. Mm -hmm. He doesn't say oh, so the only moons. moons. But I guess there's only two that Autobots are controlled. But you can clearly see Grimlock. You can see Swoop. Swoop. 
I think that's slag. I kind of mix up the other, yeah, the other guys' over names. Here. And there's another one over there. So uh, yeah, these guys are rocking out. it. Yeah. Pushing buttons. So were there moons in the G1? I, I keep going back to G1, but it's I, like, where were these moons before? I don't, I think, I don't think they, you ever see them. I don't mm. think they existed. So they just decided to throw some moons yeah. in there. Okay. Uh, not to jump back to the cam- I do love the illustration work on both the flyby that mm-hmm. Laserbeak does and the camera coming yeah. out of his head. Yeah, it's the camera pretty, looks really awesome. Pretty sweet. Um, so then we've got Ironhide and Optimus Prime kind of chit-chatting. Um, and uh, Prime is, uh, or I guess first Ironhide speaks, right? Every time I look into a monitor, Prime, my circuits sizzle. When are we going to start busting Decepti Chops? Are we going to yeah. do this every... Not every, every not. Just the cool, really Listen, cool I don't line. necessarily need to keep it in. I just wanted <laughs> to do it, fuckhead. Uh, uh, right, right. So uh, so he wants to get some action going. He's looking at a monitor. We see uh, some, like, <laughs> you know, just some flybys. Here's the thing about oh, like the Caleb's favorite part. Shockwaves. <laughs> There's shockwaves. He's just standing at the window. <laughs> he's like, I like to imagine he's like, when will my time he's come? So so to yeah, just to uh, to explain visually what's happening. So it's Ironhide's looking at a monitor. Four, four minutes fifty seconds. At four fifty, Ironhide's looking at a monitor, and in that monitor is Shockwave <laughs> at some sort of control station. But there's no, a window. There's there. no buttons. He's just standing there looking out the window. <laughs> that looks te- that texture looks like it could be control panelish. Yeah. But the point, but a bigger point, if he's at a control panel, you'd think he'd need a monitor. Yeah. He has no monitor. <laughs> His monitor is whatever's on the I other just, side of that window. I just like, I mean, we talked about this in the previous episode. I just like the idea of him, you know, he waited around for millions of years yeah. for the Decepticons to come back. And now, for whatever reason, he's still staring lonely, longingly <laughs> out like, the window. Like, no, 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 no. You, you stay, stay here. Yeah, you stay in the tower. You, this, this is you're good at this. Nobody and, real. If they really liked him, they would have brought him to must Earth. Be really awkward in social. <laughs> oh, situations. he's terrible at parties. He's like always bringing up like weird stuff. Like uh, so. Uh, Hello, yeah. guys. What are you doing yeah. this weekend? Yes. <laughs> Do you want to go bowling? It's yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I. It seems like I'm only the the only one who ever wants to go bowling. Like you guys say you like bowling, but then but you never go bowling. They don't want to go bowling with him because he's only got one hand. The but other that's, hand's a gun. I assume he's right-handed, so he could... Wouldn't it be bad if he was left-handed <laughs> and he has no hand? Uh, right. Here's the so thing right. about these cameras. Like, there are cameras all over Cybertron. They're looking at all these monitors. Uh, and this is nitpicky, because we have to have a movie, but no radar or cameras for Laserbeak just flying directly into the base. Right. Maybe he's too oh, little. Yeah. He doesn't that's the point. That's why they send that's him. That's true. And I said it was nitpicky, but I'm like, it's just... And how did the Decepticons who've taken over the planet not disable whatever I ass- spy equipment the Autobots have I assume there's some on. kind of spy satellites of some kind. Okay, sure. It seemed, okay, all right. Maybe laser-beak-sized spy satellites? It's also like in the in every cartoon, like not only Transformers with Teletron 1, but like in G.I. Joe with Cobra, they seem to be able to have eyes on anything they want to look at. Right. Uh, so this is the uh, introduction of Optimus Prime and Ironhide, both characters voiced by the legend Peter Cullen. Peter, and Cullen. he was surprised to get Ironhide. Like he went in and did Prime, and then like he they gave him Ironhide as well, and he was like, "I'll do that." That's they don't sound impression. anything alike. <laughs> it's like you do the same voice kind of for everybody, I guess. That is demonstrably not true. <laughs> I do will your, fight do you. An iron, oh, you've already done an Ironhide. I did an Ironhide. Do a prime. I can't do a Prime. I can try. <clears throat> <laughs> Listen, Iron High. See, it's terrible. Okay, all right. So, I could never do Prime. So Prime is kind of a dick in this moment. 
right? Uh, he's just like, fucking do what I told you, buddy. Like, <laughs> god damn it. But I, I, I like, like to think that this is like at the end of the shift, Ironhide's been bitching the whole time. Prime's yeah. just like, motherfucker, I, I don't want to hear about your sexy fireman calendar anymore. Just get up and go do what I asked you to do. God damn it. Why does Ironhide have a sexy That's just an calendar. office thing, you know? <laughs> Um, do you so, notice on uh, the panel? If you notice on the panel, like they've got all this state-of-the-art equipment, and then over a reel-to-reel, reel-to-reel. This is a, this is at the five-minute mark like, precisely. Uh, yeah, there's yeah. a reel-to-reel. Reel Magnetic reel. tape is a thing. These I guys have not gone to digital yet. Yep, clearly. Even though they're presumably digital. Yeah. Presumably, the entire uh, functionality of this moon base could be accomplished today on an iPod. <laughs> Which, what is an iPod anymore? <laughs> Are those even still made? I don't know. In the year 2017? Um, to talk about Peter Cullen real quickly, because we haven't covered him, and not that he hasn't been covered ad nauseum in other Transformers media. He, uh, other roles, Gremlins, uh, King Kong, Rainbow Bright, Battle of the Rock Lords, a GoBot property, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> Uh, the Kmart of My Little Pony, The Predator. He voiced Eeyore, uh, not the original voice of Eeyore, but in the contemporary times, he voices Eeyore. Um, he did lots of. He's done tons of movie announcements, but he got his start on the Sunny and Cher Variety Hour as the oh. as an announcer. Really? Yep. There you go. And um, uh, this is pro- this is a semi famous story, but he goes he auditions for. Uh, for uh, Optimus Prime, and I think before the audition, all the only information he had was that it's a leader, he's a hero, and a truck. So he had to figure out what to make of that, and um, and he got some advice from his brother, who is a Vietnam vet. And maybe it sounds like you had to add some color to this story. I, I thought I talked about it last episode. Oh, but maybe, maybe so. I didn't, um, but I could just cut this out if I did. But yeah, he uh, his brother came back very quiet and stoic and like uh, changed. And uh, his brother told him to go in there and um, don't read it like um, a big bad swashbuckling guy. You know, heroes don't need to be loud um, because they are heroes, essentially. Um, wow. And so he did kind of an understated thing. I don't, you didn't mention that before, but that's... And he basically based the character off of his brother right, exactly. to that, to that uh, note. Just uh, the strength and gentleness at the same time. And I, I listened to a couple Comic-Con interviews with him. And he, in one of those, he stated that his favorite voices are Prime and Eeyore. And uh, coincidentally, those are the ones that have paid the bills for him the most over time. So, uh, okay. So that about brings us to the end of this episode. Is anything else you guys care to add? Um, I think that's it. I didn't have a whole lot on this. I will say, oh, I made this note. I don't. Rem- I must have been drunk. I wrote Prime's face design is really interesting, like a sick mask. Yeah, and it moves. <laughs> and, it, and it moves when he talks. Yeah, so it's like it's like the people in China con- always yeah. wear the surgical masks. A, a yeah. sick mask. I couldn't even come up with the word surgical. Sick. So he's got a sick mask. And then on. when I read it the first time, I'm like that's. I read it like, am I saying, yo, that's a sick-ass mask? <laughs> so in this world, is uh, Optimus Prime paranoid of bacteria He's and a microbiology? <laughs> I think they just didn't want to animate a mouth. But they did so many times in so I know. many other... But uh, he is a main character. That is an interesting point. Yeah, why, why the that mask? laziness? Uh, I, I think it was out of design originally with the toy. It is cool, that's but true. I'm wondering where the design came. That is true, came. yeah. That, the toy was that's out way true. before a cartoon. Right, who, are some of the, who, are the, who are some of the masked... Uh, there's one of the Constructicons. Soundwave. Sound 
Um, uh, I mean, I think there's tons of them. Shockwave I mean, doesn't even have a face. It's like a 50% thing. One of the Insecticons. I'm just, I'm just looking up here. Okay, well, those are movie robots. None of, all the movie robots basically had mouths. I think there's more mouths than the masks. All right, you're right. I mean, there's some headmasters with masks. Uh, I'm trying to think of some of the OG guys. Certainly Soundwave. Oh, gosh. Yeah, yeah I guess those, actually it's not as... A few an insecticon an insecticon has him, mm -hmm. I think and one of the shell. one of the constructicons has one. <clears throat> All right, well, Mixmaster, maybe I don't want to be I'm wrong. A dummy. I, I'm, I'm... So does he have a ma the question is does he have a mouth under the mask? <laughs> or mean, if you take according it off, to Michael Bay, just... yes. Yeah, it's so annoying. Well, uh, Michael Bay doesn't count. And uh, I would if... think no, because why would he need a mouth? Yeah, but, but, but when he talks, his mouth moves. But that thing moves. In the original, uh, <laughs> so your so your question is: is does the movement of his mouth drive the movement of his one would mask? Think when the... you literally wouldn't need to, because presumably that's a speaker. One would think. Yeah. One would think with the mask moving that he has a jaw. Presumably, if he has a jaw. He has a mouth. I mean, presumably, none of the uh, Transformers need mouths at all. Listeners, write in with all of your theories on how Transformers the speak, mask? what is, drives the audio I, from their bodies, why do they have mouths at all? Just, I, what's I, will, the mask? I think they, they have mouths because it would look crazy without them, but um, there is one point that Optimus Prime, is, when he's Orion Pax, he does have a mouth. True. So maybe they just were lazy and slapped a fucking surgical mask on so, top of it. On the, the Michael Bay mask. movies, they, uh, they call it a battle mask like it comes on in battle i guess presumably to protect his mouth why that part of his yeah, body you don't and not get everything else smart. i don't know his eyes but don't, uh, don't need to worry about the yeah no, no, they're fine <laughs> yeah they just call it a battle mask but uh anyway i would take anybody's theories on that at this point so uh please like comment subscribe to this website go through uh via the autopoddecepticast.com uh we'll we also have a facebook presence instagram presence uh twitter twitter presence and hopefully by the time you're reading the, listening to this episode five that'll be very well developed so uh thank you again for your time and uh we'll see you next week bye 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 everybody 